Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? Here at More To Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Angela Sackett. And I'm Lisa Pulliam, and together we want to help you think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. We're excited to be back for part two, where we're discussing this topic about being tenderhearted and really what it means to not be hard-hearted. So before we have Angela jump back into the conversation with us, I'm just going to reread the last part of the passage that we've been kind of studying together here, Ephesians 4. And if you pick up with me at verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Mm. So where do you want to go with that today? Yeah, so we kind of talked about in part two, I'm going to address this uh, a little bit as a married woman, uh, a challenge to you as you're listening. I'm going to apply some of these principles to marriage and to how we interact with our husbands. But I do want to preface this by saying one of the things we've talked about um, before is that if you are not married, that doesn't mean check out, don't leave us because the principles that we're going to talk about really apply to all of our earthly relationships as they flow out of our relationship with God. So we're going to get into a little bit um, the idea of what it means to be tenderhearted and then kind of apply that specifically to marriage. Um, One of the things I found interesting is that this chapter in its entirety, um, one of the titles, one of the subheadings in one of my versions calls it Unity in the Body of Christ. Um, now we accept and acknowledge the fact that some of us are not married to a man who follows Jesus, who considers himself to be a child of God. Um, however, as women of God, he is going to work through us and in our marriage. And and that is a principle that is, um, evident in scripture. So having said that, I think that it's kind of interesting to think about God, um, drawing us together in unity, which is definitely what he wants to see in marriage as it represents his relationship and the Trinity and his relationship with his children, um, thus uh, us in the body of Christ. So with that, yeah, <laughs> dive in? I think that's good. And I want to hear about this conversation you have with Sarah. What, yeah. what does that mean <laughs> to us? Oh, here we go, getting vulnerable again. So not too long ago, I have an oh, amazing woman of God girlfriend who's 77 years old. Um, she is a former church planting missionary, wise, wise, feisty, in a good way, woman of God. And I was just kind of sharing with her some of the things that I was walking through, particularly in marriage, also uh, with one of our adult children. And she took a deep breath and with such gentleness and tenderness, she said, it kind of sounds like maybe you need to drop your end of the rope. Mm. And I like, what is what? (laughs) And I took a step back and as she explained it, she gave this illustration of, you know, it's almost like you're in a tug of war with your husband trying to get what you want and what you need emotionally um, in life. I I was walking through this experience with, again, one of our adult children as well, where I knew what needed to happen and I thought I knew. And in some ways I was right, Um, but I was fighting for it tooth and nail with everything that I had and almost came to the point where I didn't even really care about that person anymore. I just wanted what needed to happen to happen. And it was a tug of war. Um, But understanding this idea that 
when we become so caught up in getting that thing and that tug of war and pulling on our end of the rope, we're actually at battle with that other person. And this really applies in the area of marriage. Um, right. Yeah. If you can't see me right now, I just sunk into my chair and my eyes went up and I thought, Oh, (laughs) she's speaking truth. Uh, Right. Um, yeah, we, we unknowingly actually become our, our husband's enemy. And there is a hard-heartedness there. And that's kind of the principle that we talked about in part one is what it means to be hard-hearted, how we can become hard-hearted, and then the effects that has becomes, it makes us ignorant, affects our behavior. And so let's get into what's the opposite of that, to be tender-hearted. I don't want to be battling in a, in a tug of war against my husband, against the people people that I love, but I want to be tender hearted towards them because mm-hmm. that's how God is toward me. Um, and I think the first way that we can do that is to see our husbands, those closest to us through the lens of truth. Mm. Verse, tr- verse 21 says this, assuming that you heard him, God, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Um, our desires can become deceitful, right? They can mm-hmm. become so, so big in our minds that they take over everything that they cloud what truth really is. And I talked earlier about how, um, I was taught a lie at a young age that I, I could never depend on my husband. I could mm-hmm. never trust him. Now, the truth of that is there is a nugget of truth in that he's a human being. He's broken. Mm-hmm. He's a sinful person. He will let me down. Mm-hmm. But the bigger picture is that God has created this um, marriage to teach me big, powerful things I couldn't understand otherwise, to teach the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not married, that's okay, because he's going to teach you those things through other venues, through maybe other marriages even. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think I ahead. think it's interesting where, you know, when, I, when you said it in the last episode about you were taught to not trust. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that, and we didn't really touch upon it last time with the way things flowed, but that our experiences sometimes also teach us that too. Yes. Yes. The the woundings. Like I I had a boyfriend in high school that cheated on me. And then I saw that manifest in the marriages that are closest to us. And uh, I'm walking through a situation with somebody I love who um, there wasn't adultery in terms of uh, physical betrayal, but there was a, a lie and uh, another kind of emotional betrayal. And so those experiences forge the same kind of lies in our brain as the lies that we may receive from those who have gone before us. Yes. And so that that offers a challenge. What are we supposed to do in that situation? What would you say to that? So I'm going to use photographer talk here for a minute to illustrate what I think you're describing, and that is seeing through a faulty lens. Um, I had a photography business with my husband for a number of years full time, and now that's something that I do part time. And one thing that I learned early on in my journey is that it's very important that my gear is clean and in good shape. If I am shooting through a lens that's scratched or dirty, or if it's become cloudy because I've gone inside after being outside in the cold, my pictures are going to show that. They're going to show a flawed version of what I'm photographing. In the same way, if I try to take pictures of something in the dark or in what we in photographers we call bad light, 
that flaws the image of what I'm what I'm photographing. And I think what happens to us as either we are taught, as scripture says here, or as you said, you know, by the experiences that we have, we become to come to believe lies. We mm -hmm. see all of life through that scratched lens, through that dirty lens. And we don't get an accurate picture of what really is happening in our relationships, in our situations. So I think mm -hmm. it's super important here that we put ourselves in a place of being taught of studying for ourselves what is truth. Um, we've got to have our faces in the word. We say that over and over yes. again. So yes. friend, you're listening. Yes. Don't just listen to this podcast. Open up your Bible and read what we're talking about. Read because God is speaking to you. He wants to shape. He wants to clean your lens um, so that you see life through the lens of truth. Um, and then the second thing is we got to see our husbands and our relationships in general through the lens of grace. Mm, Earlier yeah. in Ephesians 4, we get a picture and go back, open up your Bible and read this whole chapter when you have a minute, because we get a picture of the massiveness of the gift that we have been given in Christ when he saved us, when he called us to be his own. And when we understand that, we get that concept of grace then we can see our husbands through that lens of grace. Then we can see those people closest to us, our children, our coworkers, because we get, holy cow, I was nothing. I was worth nothing. I was broken and flawed and repeatedly fell into stupid decisions, but he saved me from that. And I can then look at my husband when he does something silly or when he lets me down in some way. Maybe he didn't even do it. I just think he did it. I can say, oh, but God is so much bigger so much bigger that's good yeah that's good it's the word and that's why we do say that we want yeah a fresh encounter with god and his word yeah. and our so stinking thinking can't change <laughs> that's right sorry i'm cutting you off there but you get me excited you stinking thinking can't change unless the thinking changes yes so yep. keep going there yep all right, I have three more quick things I just want to say that ways that I think we can be tenderhearted, walk this out, practice what God is teaching us here in marriage, in our relationships. The first one is we've got to speak the truth in love. And that comes out of verse 25, put away falsehood. Let each of you speak the truth of his neighbor with his neighbor for we're members one of another. Um, we got to do it. We, we can't speak the quotation marks truth according to our emotions. Emotions, our flawed lenses, um, outside pressures, our hormones, the needing demands of the, the, uh, the people around us or the commitments we've had. We can't avoid the truth. We can't keep it in and, and pout and withdraw. Um, we can't speak the truth in quotes again of what our girlfriends might say to us when we're having a bad day and they want to pat us on the back and build us up um, in the flesh or what we, we might watch on a show or read in a self-help book or a novel. Um, we've got to speak the truth according to God's definition and that comes out of his word. And then um, we've got to do it in love. And that, mm -hmm. that comes ties back to that idea of seeing our husbands, our, our relationships through the lens of grace. We've got to speak truth in that um, that way of being oriented toward the gospel and toward our husband's good for his good and for God's glory. So, mm -hmm. you know, just challenge us when we go to approach something that maybe legitimately needs to be addressed. Don't let fear hold you back from it, but also um, really ask the Lord to make my heart be tender here. Am I really Am I saying this because I want good for my husband, not just because I'm ticked off at him? <laughs> mm -hmm. And and do I want God's glory in this? Do I really believe God will be glorified in this? 
So speak the truth in love. I think that is so good. And I want to throw in kind of a practical Mm. nugget here of how to do that. Um, I don't know which wonderful woman taught me years ago to not talk to others about my husband. Yeah. Uh, and, And I loved, I loved that encouragement because I found myself in situations where I knew the ins and outs of other people's husbands, especially if they were in conflict and the, the trouble is they have lovely, lovely makeup time and I'm still ticked off yes. at the offense because um, when we are going to have offenses, we are going to be in conflict with our spouses, with our children, with our in-laws and our outlaws. But when we take that offense to somebody else, now mm. it becomes their offense, but they don't have the privilege of going through the reconciliation process. Yes. And it just causes a stumbling block in all of our relationships. So the challenge then is, what do we do with it? And one of the ways that I've tried to deal with that sort of situation is uh, get with the Lord first and, yes. and literally pour out my heart before him. And I, I do that in a prayer journal. I mean, I just write, 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 write everything I feel. Mm-hmm. And I learned a few years ago to not only make it just me pouring it out, but I will sit there and I will say, okay, Lord, speak to me. I'll listen. And oftentimes it sounds like me, but the truth that he's pouring back at me does not sound like me. It sounds like scripture where I can look up in Bible gateway Mm -hmm. to see is that phrase, is that expression somewhere in scripture? And then that's how I know it's him. And after I have that time with the Lord, I have a much better perspective then I could go to the friend, my best friends, and say, I'm having this issue with my husband or my girls or my friend. This is what I feel like the Lord has said to me. Can you confirm this? Mm-hmm. And, yes. And now there, there is a, a space for guidance and counsel that isn't going to cause that person the stumbling block. That's so wise. And I, you said earlier, I wish you could see us as you're listening. I'm literally trying to hold back the giggles so y'all don't have to hear it because I, it cracks me up how God literally weaves our conversation and our hearts together. And I am, I'm so praying that he's doing that with you as you're listening, because you literally gave us practical hands-on application for my last two points, which are oh, excellent. <laughs> Go for it. Be his advocate in the world. Um, we have got to be his advocate. And I was actually going to say, you know, someone said to me early on, be very careful who you speak to about your husband, because it needs to be someone who is going to love your husband, point you back to the word, be an advocate of your marriage. And my parents said that to us early on. We're on your side, babe. And we're on the side of your marriage. Mm. And so I know for a lot of people, in-laws are not a safe place. And I respect that for me. My parents, they love my husband as a son and they root for him and they root for our marriage. And so there have been a couple of times when I've had to call and say, I am wrestling with X, Y, Z. And my dad will say, I love you, babe. And you're not out of line there. Sometimes, sometimes he'll right away tell me where I'm out of line. Mm -hmm. Um, But then what about you? What God, what's God doing in your heart and how are you praying for your husband in this? So, um, Proverbs 18 22, this idea of being his advocate says he who finds a good wife finds what is good and receives favor. Mm. Proverbs 21, 21, 21 talks about a man who has a good wife finds life, righteousness, and honor. And there's a, there's a secular song that's been really popular. Um, I don't even know how old it is. I hope I'm not dating myself, but called 
cheerleader where this guy talks about, you know, being tempted to be unfaithful to his wife. And he says, Ooh, I'm not even tempted. I found myself a cheerleader. She's always right there when I need her. And that's a secular perspective, but I think there's truth in that. Mm -hmm. Our husbands need us to be on their side, to advocate for them in the world. And then the last kind of point I wanted to make about being tenderhearted towards them is that they need us to be their advocates before God. They need us to be their prayer warriors. And you, you went right there. Did I pray for him about this? Did I go to God? And maybe you go to him in a, in a fury or a, a place of heartbreak. I can't believe he did this to me. And sometimes I'll say to my, to God, I can't believe you let this happen to me, whether mm -hmm. it's my husband or anybody else. And this is where this applies to all of our relationships. Um, did we go to God? Did we say, where are you in this? What do you want to do for my good and your glory in this? John 15, 7, um, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And he says to them, if you remain in me, and my word remains in me, in you, ask what you will. And that's there's a really important principle there we can't get away from. We don't get to just go to God or anybody else and mouth off and say, do this, God. We've got to be in his presence, spending time with him. As you said, did I go pray first mm. for my husband? And then he will work in our marriages. And then Colossians 4, 2 says, be persistent in prayer, be alert and giving thanks. Um, there are three really important words that I think are important, persistent, alert, mm. and thanksgiving. We got to be at it on an ongoing basis. Girlfriend, if you're listening today, don't, don't turn this thing off and go, all right, God, fix it and then be done. You got to keep going to him because as you do that, he's going to change your heart. He's going to soften that heart and make it tender and he will work. We've got to be alert. And by that, I think one of the things we can apply here is look at your husband, look at what his needs are, what you think God may be doing in him. Be alert to that and um, sensitive to how you can pray. Be his advocate before God and then give thanks. We got to do that. We've got mm -hmm. to, as we're looking at our frustration, say, but God, you're doing this, this, this. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm yeah. going to throw and in then, one more um, practical application because <laughs> I hear you saying scripture, but I hear in the back of my head, the gazillion of women I know who are just in a struggling marriage and who, or whose marriages have already broken apart. And they're like, yeah, too little, too late. Thanks much. And I just want to say that these principles apply for all of our relationships. Yeah. Like we were saying from the beginning and in the context of marriage, they're especially hard to put into place because it's oh, yeah. daily. <laughs> it's daily. And that, Sometimes there's so much wounding, like Stephen and I have been married 22 years and the first seven years were really hard. And the latter seven took, it took seven years to fix what the first seven made a mess of. And now we're, I guess that means we're in our kind of our third <laughs> seven ish are, are full of great joy and delight. And the, the speed bumps are really small at this mm -hmm. point. But that's 22 years of hard work. And I would say we wouldn't be where we are today if, A, I didn't go for counseling. Mm -hmm. B, we hadn't gone for counseling together. And when I say counseling, I mean like spells of like six months and nine months, two or three different times. I'm not talking like into counseling forever. Uh, but we had seasons where that was critical. And then um, most recently, and I'll include a link to this on the, the show notes, uh, Family Life, the Ministry of Family Life offers something called a weekend to remember. Yes. 
and they happen all over the country. They're relatively affordable. They do offer scholarship. It's um, like a Friday night, an all-day Saturday, and then a Sunday morning. And they just pour into the foundations of marriages and what it could be and give you good tools to have those conversations to create what I call kind of clean slates or like Mm. stones of remembrances. Like from this point forward, we are going to live this way together. Uh, That can be super helpful. And they rescue marriages from every, every devastation you can imagine. That's such a good resource. And I, I'm glad you shared that because, you know, as you're listening and Lisa and I are teaching and we're digging into the scripture, I want you to know from a vulnerable place. And I know I speak for Lisa too, we don't have it all together. Life is not perfect. There are lots of struggles, um, but it's our desire to point you to grace. And I, I said this to a group of ladies when I was speaking to them yesterday, I want to be authentic with you, but only so far as that points you to the goodness of God, to the holiness of God. And so that's, that's what we're, our prayer is for you as you're listening. Um, I'm praying that if you are a single woman, if you are um, in the aftermath of a broken marriage, if you're in the middle of a broken marriage or not, you know, any of those, that God's going to use the principles um, from today to really begin to make your heart more tender towards his purposes for your life, towards his calling, so that you are becoming more of that woman Mm. that he has for you to be. That's good. So where do you want to end us, Angela? What's commissioning do you want to give us? I, you know what, I have one, I have one more scripture that I wanted to share. And this is for those ladies that are women that are married. Um, there's something really cool that happens here. Ephesians 5:25 talks about being one flesh when God brings us together in marriage. And there's a really cool side effect that when we are tenderhearted toward our husbands and we're kind toward our husbands, we're actually being kind to ourselves. We are actually investing in who we are as women of God. Um, and so I want to just leave you with a little bit of a challenge is, um, is there a way? And we talked before about that. You maybe are hard hearted in our last, um, episode, but is there a way that God is calling you to be more tender hearted? Is there something that he wants to teach you more of himself mm-hmm. so that he begins to shape how you live out your relationship with your husband, with your children, with those that are closest to you? Um, I, because I believe it's knowing him more intimately, knowing who he is and what he's done in our lives and what he is doing and will do. We've said that before. Mm-hmm. That is where he becomes to make our hearts, begins to make our hearts more tender. So ask him, you know, as you end today, as we end today, um, just, uh, and I always say this to journal these things. Lisa used that term stones of remembrance, write down. Um, what are some things that God is showing you about who he is and what he desires to do is able to do in your relationships, specifically in marriage, if you're a married woman, um, so that he can begin to make your heart more tender Mm. in those relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm going to add a challenge question to you. If you turn your Bibles open after we're done and just look at that passage that we focused on today, that Mm. verse 31, 32, and make yourself a checklist Are you bitter? Are you full of rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior? If you have one of those things, I just really encourage you to A, seek the Lord on that and Mm -hmm. ask him to show you the root and, and so that he could bring about new fruit heal you and move you forward and, and B think about getting into counseling to deal Mm -hmm. with those issues because Mm -hmm. 
These yeah. are our struggles, but these don't have to define you. If, if you all go back and listen to episode uh, 101 and 102, those are the ones that I talk about how God transformed me from mm-hmm. this, from a bitter, rageful, angry, harsh word, and maybe slanderous, even woman. Mm-hmm. And those things were toxic to my marriage, to my parenting, and to my friendships. And yeah. he has healed that and, and brought about just joy and hope in my marriage, in my parenting, and in my friendships. And so I just love this. I love that God calls us to tenderhearted. Forgiveness mm-hmm. is part of that process. We didn't really touch on that very much. But that <laughs> is that is key to being tenderhearted yeah. uh, and receiving that forgiveness that Christ has for us is what sets yes. us free. So maybe we need to do a whole episode just on yeah, be forgiving. Be forgiving. <laughs> Maybe next. Do you mind if I close this in prayer today, Lise? I would love that. Please do. Awesome. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are so gracious and you are so kind to us. And I pray as we leave today that we will get that into our hearts and our minds, that we will understand the truth of you giving up your life for us. God, that you long to transform us, to redeem us, um, to redeem our relationships, our marriages, God our relationships with our children, with those who are closest to us, and even those we don't know yet. And so I pray, Lord, for each woman that's listening today, first, if she does not know you, that this will be the day that you draw her into your kingdom. Um, Lord, that she will open up the word, that she will go seek out someone face-to-face who can walk her through that process, but she doesn't need that, God. She can just say to you right now, I want to be yours. I want to turn away from the old me. I want to be raised to life in you. Save me, Jesus. Um, God, and for those that are listening that do know you and and for Lisa and I, I pray that you will help us to be women who are tenderhearted towards you, towards our husbands, our children, our co-workers, our family members, whatever those relationships look like, God, whatever season we're in, help us to be women who love others with your love, tenderhearted. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the More to Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word through our time together today. Be sure to visit moretobe.com slash podcast for show notes and free downloadable resources. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.